0: you. <laughs>
1: you're listening to the Taku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew and I'm joined here with Chris. Yep. And today's episode is a review of Time of Eve, or specifically the Time of Eve movie. Uh, we watched the Time of Eve series a long time ago, uh, but this is going to be specifically for the movie. For those who don't know, Time of Eve was originally released as an original net animation, which is an ONA, back in 2008. It was uh, streamed in the West on Crunchyroll, uh, for those who don't know. And it was a six-episode series running about 15 minutes to 27 minutes per episode. Um, it was later made into a film, a full-featured film, in 2010. Uh, well, after that point, it didn't really seem like we got much notification of it coming to the West. But thankfully, after a Kickstarter campaign was launched, the film was greenlit to release in the West. And this was a international Blu-ray release Kickstarter, which was launched in May 2013, And I think it just recently released, officially, last year, 2014. Uh, The original goal they had for the Kickstarter campaign was like $18,000. They achieved that within 24 hours. As we've seen with most Kickstarter campaigns for amazing shows and and visual novels, uh, it doesn't take long for the goals to be met. I think in the end it ended up achieving uh, $215,000, so because if you calculate that out it's well over like a 1000% more than what they originally desired so definitely was a success. And for those who don't know, it was a uh, Time of Eve was directed by Yashuhiro Yoshi Yoshi Ura, which who he also did uh Pale Cocoon and here recently did uh, Panama Inverted which we reviewed and we really really enjoyed. So uh kind of gives you an idea of the pedigree of the guy that created this. Now, the Time of Eve movie follows a boy named Rukyu, and basically this is in a world where mankind has developed androids. Um, It's also a time in which kind of the question of the relationships with these androids starts to come into question. People are uh, believing that we're coming to find these androids as to be human, and that's causing kind of conflicts to happen. There's ethnic uh, communities that are being grown uh, there's pu- uh, publicities on television that are constantly rolling about people that have come too close to these androids, and that you you shouldn't buy stuff from companies that have androids farming them because it's not healthy. There, I mean, there's all this kind of uh, uh, what's the what's the prejudice that's happening for for the androids that are being created? Um, but we're, it kind of revolves around this boy Riku, is it Rikuo? Rikuo. Okay. Riku, uh, yeah. Rikuo. And as he's checking the logs of his family android that they have, which they named or Sammy. I don't know if they actually named her Sammy or f- Sammy. they they mentioned it a couple times. Sammy. I, I just I wasn't sure because I know at some point he called her Sammy and, and they were making fun of the fact that he called her Sammy because what, what there was a there was a term that they gave people that get too close to the androids and I have it written down here. I'm kinda of trying to pull it up. And that's a uh Dory K. They call people Dory K when they've they they they've come to acknowledge androids as kind of human. And I thought that at some point they called him that because he called her, referred to her as Sammy. But anyways, her name is Sammy. And she is their family android. And he's checking the logs of her and it's kind of pointing out her locations as she does her usual routes. And at some point in the log, it just says, uh, are you enjoying your time at Eve? And he kind of is questioning what, what where the, how would this come up in her daily travels? So as she's, he's kind of conversing with his friend, Masaka, Masakazu, he uh, kind of decides, hey, you want to come with me? We're going to go check out her, her location that she was at before sh- this message came up on the log. And when they get there, they're kind of standing in front of this door that's in this, this dark alleyway, not really dark, but in this abandoned alleyway. And they're kind of, should we go inside and kind of figure out what the heck this this message is? And this guy just, this android bumps through them, goes inside the door, and goes down in this hallway. And so they decide to follow him. And they go down these stairs and after a little bit of coercing, they decide to go through the door. And they come to find out it's a it's a cafe. And it's the cafe's uh, time of eve is a cafe. And they're greeted. Very, very nice lady behind the counter named Nagi. She's the bartender there And she kind of welcomes him in. At the front, there's a little board that says, in this place, the number one rule is that you don't question who's an android and who's human. And the other interesting aspect about the bar is that normally androids are supposed to have this little ring above their head. It's kind of like a halo, and that signifies that they are an android. And it usually kind of responds to actions or whatever. And the weird thing about this bar is that those are turned off. So the people in the bar, you don't know who's a human, who's an android. And they kind of come in there and they they kind of are fearful at first because technically the idea of a android pretending to be a human is technically illegal. They're not supposed to do it. Um, but they kind of claim it as a, they call a gray zone, which is where that would happen. And that's supposedly illegal. So at first they're kind of fearful of the idea of, should they be there? And then you get out there. This is kind of illegal, this little bar. Um, but slowly over time, they're kind of meeting all these different people that are in the bar. And that kind of opens up the entire movie and what was originally the ONA is this concept of kind of meeting these people. Uh, they're always trying to figure out if they're they're human or if they're android. They're always suspicious of them. Um, and in a sense, they kind of slowly start to gray the line of what is what what it takes to be human, what it takes to be Android, and that's kind of the the cusp of the story itself. And then, kind of in the background, you have the ethics community, which is or committee, which is trying to find these kind of what they call cells or whatever you want to call them, and try to shut them down. But that's that's kind of the the story and the gist. Do you want to start on your impressions on the story?
2: Um, the story is really kind of a, a questioning of. I I don't want to say it's a questioning of what's human. It's really more of a question of, uh, if if a if an android was to show attributes of being a human, can you consider it a human after that point? And I think that that's really more the cusp of the. It's not. A questioning what is humanity per se in in itself, which is really kind of what most of most of your androids trying to integrate into human society is. Um, what is do you give an android rights? It, that, that's not really what this show is really presenting. It's really presenting more along the lines of, okay, if you were next to an android and both of both you and that android were acting like humans. Can you really truly pick out an Android at that point?
1: Right. And which, like I said, they're constantly questioning in the show, and they're constantly trying to figure it out because they'll have one character that will just be super spontaneous and, and energetic, and then it'll come to the point where they'll they'll finally discover if it's an Android or not. And it's always a case of, I mean, could you tell at first? You you really couldn't. Yeah. And except for later cases, which we'll get into, where it kind of is obvious and it's more comical. Um, but that really does end up. And it was really the case in the ONA cause the ONA was really, was of course broken into six episodes. So they really did kind of have a feel of in those middle, like three or four episodes. It was really a, each episode. Can you figure it out? Kind of thing. Um, and the movie kind of does well in meshing it to where it doesn't feel too episodic like that. But there is also still a case there of you're still trying to figure out who's this person, which one's the Android, or which one are they both Android? Or are they both human? Um, I think the reason why I was mentioning the idea of what it takes to be human is it often deals with the situation of when things start kind of crumbling down in a certain situation. You kind of you you experience it with the main character where he realizes, uh, why do I feel bad right now?
2: Yeah, there was definitely like you
1: take an umbrella away from this android. Why does that feel wrong?
2: Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a questioning of that the character himself as he realizes that he is more accepting of the idea of of androids being having human traits until he realizes that he has to uh, apply that acceptance to his own android which for some reason he feels differently about his own android as a human whereas any other one where he didn't see them as an android before he now sees them as as almost human whereas his own android he he seems to be having that this this conflict an inner conflict and turmoil over the idea of accepting his own android as human and so it it very quickly brings that to the forefront as a as a constant argument in, in himself which you you as the viewer are are having that argument in yourself as well um is you're accepting it as a overall arcing theme of the entire thing of the entire show. You're, you're seeing these, 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 these people and they're presenting their stories. And then when that one little thing pops up and says this person is either human or it's a Android and you automatically start accepting that for what it is as as a an indicator that makes him fall on, t- on a scale, where him he already seen this 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 character as a android, and now as he's accepting all these other androids as humans, he naturally has to do that with his own his own android at some point, and he you you automatically feel that that turmoil.
1: Yeah, they kind of mentioned it with both him and uh, Sammy was. This case of them mentioning, well, you haven't seen, you haven't seen him outside of here, because when they're inside there, they're in that little closed space. Everybody's able to act however they want to, whereas outside, they've actually, you know, interacted with each other, and that kind of comes into play with a lot of the other uh, characters that are surrounding them as well. Because over time, they kind of slowly, you know, introduce each of these characters and tell their own situations and dealing with having a t- this this Eve bar and living in the outside world and why they come there is is really a huge a huge part of it um but yeah I, I do agree with theirs there's kind of seems to be a lot more to it than just your typical android storyline of well let's let's explore the three laws of robots and how that can deal with you know a life and death situation it's, it's not doing those same typical android type things but more so than most of those types of storylines of androids in a human environment is is that it it really does better job of it does a better job of of presenting them as people yeah and it gets you connected to those characters as people and it's just something i don't really see in other storylines that deal with androids in, in a human environment. There's
2: definitely a genius to the storytelling. I mean, the, the, the there was even an episode where, I mean, Andrew kind of hit on it a little bit, in, and I, I thought it was absolutely brilliantly told. But th- that episode and another episode shortly after that, or if it's not the next one, where there's two particular androids that are obviously androids. You can't get around it. There's And they were probably the most moving stories out of the
1: entire show. It, it, t- it tells you... Yeah, it tells you how well the writing is, is. When when it deals with things that are obviously robotic, it visually robotic, and yet those are the most emotional moments, and it manages to humanize them more... I guess it's one of those things where it almost humanizes the robots more than the humans themselves. Yeah. That it, it, it does quite often not really often but every now and then it will sprinkle in the the disgusting human nature and then the caring nature of these robots that are programmed to care and even though they're programmed to care you still see the beauty the beauty in those characters in that they are caring versus the human nature itself of of rejecting
2: and that's and that's something that that I absolutely loved about Sammy herself is. She is an, an a perfect example of of caring for this this main character she She truly truly cares for this this main character um and and it, and it's shown with simple little things like the 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 um the the neck scarf and the the coffee the, the this, this, these simple little things that are just there. And it's not like because Sammy is is very very how what's the best way to put it? I don't want to say she's insignificant because she is extremely significant in the main scheme of things because she's the one that is uh, causing uh, Masaki to actually well she's, explore the, she's this. the she's the trigger and she's the, she's the, the catalyst the show she's the catalyst and yeah I I I could be all three her. of those technically so I mean she is significant but. As a character, she is very, very much a side character. You hardly ever see
1: her through the course of the entire show. And for a reason. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really a case of you're trying to see the main character develop throughout the show to where she is then, again, the reason why she's there. And the reason, the main reason why he should be there kind of thing. There's so much I want to talk about that would get more into spoilers. Um <laughs> I just, I just love the tone of the show. It, it it, brings you into this environment that is very friendly uh, and does well in telling each of the stories they have. Each one of them are very interesting. Um, it doesn't try to overplay anything. It does very well in just executing what it wants to execute. And I just I really appreciate it for that. So I just I can't recommend the show for its story more than...
2: Either way, it's treasure. I I would definitely say either way. If you can watch the movie, it's 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 a good movie. If you can watch the show, watch the show. Yes, there's a little bit more in the movie, which we'll get into here in a minute. I'm I'm sure. I was I um,
1: bringing it up now? So
2: huh? We yeah. Want to bring it up? I I I definitely think that they are, both have their merits. And if you can't get a hold of the the the, the movie, go watch the show. It, it's it's. You did you say that it's streaming on Crunchyroll? Yeah. So, I mean, you have access to it. It's it's definitely worth its time. It there're six episodes you you got wrote down there. Mm-hmm. Not um, very long, too. 15 well, to 27 15 minutes. minutes is what he's got wrote down, which is not that that much time in in the grand scheme of things. It's
1: roughly around Well, three that was hours. one of the nice things about it. We were kind of afraid when we got the movie that it wouldn't be able to encapsulate that entire series into it. And then we realized it was a 15 to 27 minute show, so or shows. Um, So it actually fits into a time frame of a movie of an hour and 46 minutes perfectly um, with some little leg room because what happens is even though the ONA or the, the series was really well told, it told the main story of the main character and his android and what was going on in the bar. In the movie, it more touches on, I guess, things that I don't think they had time to fit in there or they didn't completely were able to flesh out. And it wasn't. A big huge thing, but I think it did well in the movie. Kind of tells you more about the bar and uh, Nagi, who runs the bar, and I think there were significant, not really significant to the main story of the main character and his struggle with the androids, but it was really more of kind of expanding it a little bit to how it more affects the world. So, if you want the full experience, I'd say definitely check out the movie, but you're yeah, you know, like you said, you're you're very well off in watching the series. So don't feel bad for watching the series. I just think if you had a choice between the two, go for the movie. Oh definitely. If you don't have a choice, well the O and is fine.
2: The 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 main thing with the movie is I mean, yeah, there was a couple of extra scenes in there which when at the beginning I didn't really see much of a use in it. There was one a little bit later that was like, eh I I didn't mind that one. There was another one that was kind of like I can deal with it, and then and then there was the thing during the the ending credits, which that's really what I would I would say is if you haven't if you if you're going into the movie, definitely watch through the credits. There's actually a scene after the credits. You have to see this see, these scenes. Watch the credits. There's uh, there's just a, a slideshow, which tells a story that is kind of I thought was very important. That that's I exactly, wish yeah. they had. I wish they had because explained it, 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 it at some explain-
1: point. I, and that's spoiling. I'm, that's I'm, why I'm not yeah. really saying it. I mean, it, it 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 tells why things are happening. And yeah. it, I think it is very... When I finally kind of pieced everything together at the very end, it it was enough that I said, this is significant enough that if you enjoy... I guess my main point is, if you enjoy the ONA, you you have to go watch the movie. And you will enjoy it again. And it's not that much of an investment. An hour and uh, 46 minutes but if you really enjoy the series this is going to give you just that little extra enjoyment out of the out of the, out of the story that they were want well to i almost think that they should have done an entire episode for her yeah, i mean they should have they yeah. really
2: should have that 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 story would have been an excellent just a a final piece of the puzzle and it would have been just perfect and and i i'm i'm highly disappointed that it was one of things all we where... got was a, a a slideshow for her story and it's like ah uh, yeah I almost, I almost i mean it's good of, uh, but
1: I almost wonder if there's like a, a a comic or a manga or something or a light novel that they had on the side that they were making for just her story, because I think it, it's 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 very significant to the. And it, thing.
2: And, and it, let me put it this way, okay the the slideshow was significant enough that I it it, it moved me to tears almost to tears there. I mean, a slideshow. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to discredit the O.N.A. So I don't, I don't, I don't want people to think that. I just, like I said, I think it's, it's significant enough that if you watch the O.N.A., go watch the movie.
2: Well, my point was, is if you can't get the movie, I mean, you still have the O.N.A., which is definitely worth it. I, I'm not, I, I don't want that to be let go at all. This show is definitely a great show. I
1: mean, if you can watch the movie, by all means, watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think it would, did well in transitioning between it. One of the things I was afraid of is I was afraid it was going to, not going to be able to do the transitions between ep- each episode. I thought we were going to have the intro music every, every 15, 20 minutes in the movie just to get those transitions. But it, it, it meshed it all very well together. So um, It was a little, it was almost like a kind of bump,
2: not a jar. It was, it was really just day bump. by day. Yeah, it almost felt you would it, know the like, day ended, and the next day would happen. It was yeah. that was really the transition. I, I think it did decently well. Yeah, I mean, it definitely you it definitely did, felt decent, it, it did it, good. It definitely felt uh, you could definitely feel. The I think separation that's only because, the because the
1: we. I think that's only because we watched the series, though. Uh, I, I think that's because we only watched the series because uh, it transitions day and night kind of thing. But anyways, uh, the animation is really well done. I I don't remember. I, I want to say I remember the ONA having the same thing, this whole blurred vision kind of thing, where whenever it would have, like, a perspective of somebody looking at things, it looked kind of blurred. I kind of found that a little annoying, but it didn't affect the visual style of the show. I really liked the visuals. Um, it it made each shot kind of feel really open. In the, like, they will have a shot of the bar, and it looked really open. I really liked all those kind of shots. I really liked the shots of, like, you know, in the streets and stuff, when they'd have... Uh, they they did it. They made it a point to kind of point out the, the separation between the androids and the humans, and, it, and it, for some reason, it kept sticking out to me, and I, I, I rewinded at some point trying to figure it out, but they would have, like, these scenes where they're walking on the sidewalk, and you would just see this robot, obvious robot android, holding up these kind of stop sticks, and it would be this line of androids, and I was trying to figure out, what are they doing? Are they just kind of standing there, and one of them had groceries in their hands? And then we kind of put it together that they're stopping the androids to let the humans go by. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it, it it contained that feel of why do I feel wrong because they're robots, and the, I, I guess it goes back to the the goodness of the writing is just humanizing them to the point where it's like this just feels wrong, and it's almost that separation racism kind of thing that's happening, like a or prejudice that I was mentioning earlier. Um, but I just those kind of shots kind of was really telling of the world. They would have a them walking towards the. The screen down a, a a walkway and you would have this one lane in the middle of everybody that was, this is where the androids walked down. It was just kind of creepy but interesting at the same time. But yeah, just I really like the visual style of it. It wasn't um, besides the the blurry looking around, I, I really enjoyed it. At times it kind of felt like it was very shaky cam ish kind of at, at some points but it didn't didn't negate the fact that I really enjoyed the visual style. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah.
2: <laughs> I enjoyed the, the the artwork in general. I yeah, I, I have to agree the bar the blur thing was like uh, I, I'm not going for that. But that was like a very, very
1: insignificant part of the entire show, so Yeah. Um the only really other thing that I really want to point out and I, I kinda do want to do a, a spoiler discussion on this because I have a lot of little topics in here that I wrote down. Um the other thing I kind of really enjoyed about this series was the way that it did uh, the dialogue. Uh, something that kind of jumped out at me on a regular basis when we were watching this is that the writing is... It almost seems almost real. Like, usually when you're watching a show, they'll have somebody's talking, and there's like a brief pause, and then somebody else will talk, and there's a brief pause, and then somebody else will talk, and it's very specific about who's talking at what time. Sometimes they'll have over-talk, but it's never like somebody interrupting somebody in a a, a sense. And I just love that about the show is that they were very spontaneous, very abrupt dialogue changes. You'll have somebody says something and somebody just says, just jumps in there and says something to respond. It's not like they're waiting for somebody to say something. And that kind of spontaneousness really helped what would normally be a very long drawn out discussion. It helps it have more life to the discussion. And it's kind of hard to explain, but that's kind of where I'm, sticking with my explanation is just it helps each dialogue dis- exchange feel very lively because nobody's waiting for anybody to respond it's just they have something to say they'll jump in there
2: I'm a kitty yeah. <laughs> neko <laughs>
1: or was it uh nekodayo nekodayo something like that yeah it was really really cute um, just really enjoyed all the characters. Yeah, we Nekodayo, the the little girl Chie, she was just absolutely adorable. She would always run up and say that she's a cat, a- and then somebody Akiko. would say, "No, yeah, no, Akiko was a- the spontaneous Genki girl. Yeah, yeah she, she was, was super Genki." But I was okay I was talking with about Chie, ganky. the little girl. Oh, the no,
2: molly. I know yeah, she was she was Nekodayo. I was talking about the the other girl
1: because of the way she talked. It was absolutely. Yeah, like the first experience with her is she just kind of jumps up there and she's and then she's like tapping the table, looking around, like waiting for a response, and it's like, "Wait, let's let's start from the first sentence and let's process this." Which, which,
2: and 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 I've never made no real surprise of the fact that I'm I'm not big into Genki, but she's the kind of Genki I can actually handle. She was she, a very good Yankee. Yes. She was perfect Yankee. She wasn't because, jumping off the tables, but yeah, she was lively. Very very lively. Had a lot to say and she just let it all out.
1: <laughs> Which I think she was one of the most I don't really want to say too much, but I think she was one of the most more impactful characters even though they and I don't they think they were they weren't trying to. And they didn't kill her. Yeah, they didn't they didn't push anything. Yeah,
2: yeah, she was she I think she had what five Five, ten minutes of, of, of screen time, and then they were like, okay, she is a side character now. And it, you didn't lose who she was. She was still a significant character, but she was
1: now, she's done. We don't have anything more to yeah. use use her for. And Which, she- I, I, if you wanted to critique the idea of it being from an O&A, that would probably be the only aspect that feels episodic. Again, I don't know if this is because we watched the O&A. But that was the only aspect that kind of feels transferred over to the movie is this idea of when they're going to deal with somebody else, everybody else gets kind of shuffled to the side. And again, it only does it for about three or four episodes, so it's not like the entire thing. And again, it's a movie, so it's not like it's just a big deal. Um, But that's about the only thing I really say that feels episodic in a sense. But yeah, I I enjoyed the old man, and, and Chie was absolutely adorable with him. She was just... Like Akiko, just a very lively character to kind of throw in some chaos to the mix. Um, I also enjoyed uh, Rina and uh, was the guy with, was it Masa, Masakazu? I think was the, no, that was the friend. I forget who was with Rina. Uh, but there was a couple in the bar. I I liked their story. was very good. Um, did really kind of mess with the head kind of stuff of you're constantly going, so which one's which one kind of thing? throughout the entire time of their story. Um, they didn't really touch too much on Setoro. He was more of a guy that just kind of put in some quotes every now and then. I love his Blade... Was it Blade Runner comments? Or, mm-hmm. or what was it? Was it Blade Runner? Blade yeah. Runner. Yeah. Just all the characters were really interesting. And I think one of the most interesting characters was definitely Nagi, And I love that we finally got some more of her in the movie. But yeah. Um, anything else you want to really add in there? I think we, we pretty much covered all the bases. I just...
2: If Looks ha- great great soundtrack uh great great story uh told very well genius writing um had some really good
1: visual shots just really beautiful visual shots um a lot of emotion definitely a lot yes. of tearful moments and I, it was we were kind of pointing out it was the same case in the ona and this one one of the stories that they had in it was probably one of the most uh funny hilarious moments in the entire show but also one of the most awfully emotional moments like awful in a good way just it was so great that they were able to pull so much emotion after such a funny period of time and it's just brilliant Uh, but yeah just if you have not watched it go watch it what are you you waiting for go watch it if you have no access to the movie go watch the ONA if you have a choice grab the movie either way it's just a a great movie and a great story so are you still in my uh, why haven't you watched this yet I didn't say that specifically, so. Why haven't you watched this yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like we kind of mentioned earlier, I definitely do want to get into some more spoiler talk. So if you have watched it, and also if, you, if you've if you only watched the ONA, we're, we're going to start talking about uh, things that have to do with the very ending credits. It might not bother you. It might bother some if you are very sensitive about spoilers. We will talk about some uh, some of the ending credits moments of the movie that kind of gets yeah. into the more details of the show. It, so
2: It's generally exactly the same. The ONA and the movie are exactly the
1: same. There's just a
2: couple little tidbits that are added in in the
1: movie. I would only say, I, of course, I'm I'm really <laughs> sensitive about spoilers that bother me. But if if it was me, I would probably not be bothered by it. But some people might be bothered by it. So use at your own discretion if you want to listen on to the spoiler segment or not. Um, but we hope you all enjoyed our review of Time of E, the movie, and pretty much we've reviewed ONA as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we hope you all enjoyed. Uh, we thank you all for listening. And again, if you want to listen to our spoiler discussion, wait until after the music, which our closing music is going to be I Have a Dream by Califina, which was a pretty good song that I didn't actually realize was in there until I looked to the soundtrack. So definitely give that a listen. And again, we thank you all for listening. Y'all take care. Os. In the age of, what was this, like, probably uh, 2100, we still use check Disk to fix androids? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) It's so funny that when they they had this little moment of, like, maintenance and that check disk popped up, it's like, that just stood out like a sore thumb. Check disk, stage one of five. I'm like, why the hell they still use a check disk? And they were checking the C (laughs) disk. Yeah. Apparently, they still run on on C disk, C drive. DOS (laughs) 6.0. Oh, well. it was just a dorky little side thing. Yeah, this is our spoiler segment. they're still
2: using flip phones, so...
1: That is just a whole problem in anime in general. But, yeah, this is a (laughs) spoiler segment, so if you have not watched uh, Time of Eve, the movie, um, or if you've watched the ONA and you're fine with those very last-minute spoilers, uh, thank you for listening, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, But, yeah, the... uh, I guess the, the main thing I, I kind of really want to kind of jump into is, like, the moment-to-moment things that we really enjoy in this series. And I think the the one point I think is my favorite out of this entire series, besides the the, the tidbits that we got with Nagi that we'll talk about later, um, is this this Luh model, or L-U-H model, which was, like, the most obvious robot, besides probably Tex, is just this very ancient robot coming in the door and... <laughs> I like that Nagi is still, like, she don't say anything kind of thing. Like, it's still a customer. And I just like the fact that they're just kind of... And he's even trying. He reads a thing, and he's, like, he's still trying to act human, but it's just completely obvious. And it was <laughs> just break. hilarious. Logic break. Smoke's coming out of his neck. <laughs> yeah, and they'll ask him what his name is, and he's, like, he's thinking back to his memory <laughs> bank of his this kid called him, and, of course, he raced, and so he's just, like, my name is...
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's just,
1: he's playing the audio bit from this kid talking to him. It's just, just hilarious. But then at the same time, like, right after laughing so hard, and I did I did the same thing, I did, in the ONA, I did the same thing I did in the movie. Even after watching the ONA, as I still laughed, and I still had my heart ripped out at the very end, where yeah. it's just like this, he's like, uh, thank you for asking my name. I was like, oh gosh, this is just... It's a robot. Why am I feeling emotion <laughs> right now? I guess it's testimony to how well they humanize these these characters and all the setup. For the them.
2: Luh was a very special, special story in itself, and it was such a touching moment to just see that kid reaching up, saying, "You know, uh, you you your name is," and and just it was just such a a picture perfect spot. You see the darkness of the um, the the scratching in front of the kid's face. You that
1: was his name. Katoron. Yeah,
2: it, having it taken away from him—such a special moment in his his existence, if you want to call it life existence, however you want to name it. Uh, it's such such a funny thing to sit there and actually try to be proper, and and at the same time, you want to say his life, but in actuality, it's his existence. It, 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 that's how. How much this show is
1: actually uh affects you in, in general. It even affects you whenever somebody says it. Like it's it might come today and it's like, why the hell did you call her it? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's 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 such a, a a special moment that that seeing that him him actually have his you did good at the end of that episode was just so perfectly done.
1: Well, it was something I didn't really think about until right now is it's almost odd that you don't really have any really powerful emotional moments in the show except for with blatantly obvious robots. Yeah. I wonder if that was by choice that decided that they wanted Tex and they wanted uh, Kataran to do the more emotional moments of the show just to signif- just to solidify the fact that these robots are... Just as human as the humans are, it's kind of interesting. I almost think it was almost a showing of the extremes, because yeah. because what the the girl I mean, the the girl they at have, the they beginning could have done uh, they could have done Akiko. I mean, they could have done something with her, but they didn't. I mean, she would be easily something you can get emotionally attached to and deal with these kind of things. But they
2: don't. well, no. I what I was getting ready to say is she was the ex- she was the opposite side of the extreme. She looked the absolute most human that you could possibly yeah. look.
1: But, I mean, and, it just seemed, didn't seem like they'd touched it much. It was just, well, no, next no, no. day, oh, there's well, a halo. Well, I,
2: what I was saying is is that they used that as an example of you see a human, and then when when you got out of the, this Time of Eve, you realized, oh, she's not human. She was actually an android the entire time. And then you go into Time of Eve, and you see this obviously very, very, very robot, and has the most extreme emotional con- uh, connection with his his charge, mm-hmm. as and and whereas she had the exact opposite. She was very very wanted to serve her her master, but at the same time he didn't give one bit of a snot about her. I'll beat the crap out of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I'm what I'm saying is that those are. I think that it just, it just shows the the extreme difference between the two, and and I think that it it, it did that very well.
1: I I think that's kind of goes right into the the aspect of what kind of was revealed, in it. and I'm I'm pretty sure I've wrapped up most of the story, and even then I'm still trying to see if I can find information on it. It's just hard to find a full laid out. This is what's going on kind of thing, but what i kind of gathered from like the ending credits was this idea that there is this this code i think they call it code uh, code love was what it was called or i, I didn't write it's it code down code life code life there was a code life thing that was created that is kind of a trigger that will override the rules and it kind of gives them the ability to have emotion and it kind of hinted at the idea that this this Nagi girl who is uh, daughter to this this guy that pretty much created the androids um, she was going place to place, and this is kind of revealed in the credits. Going place to place to uh, to kind of create these little cafes. They were they showed them kind of going to a farm field and bringing all these androids in to eat uh, to to dine at this little makeshift bar. And then they showed shortly later them being cast to the side and, and discarded. But it kind of gives the significance that or the the idea that this this Eve cafe was where they would come in and have that code life triggered and that was that that spontaneous difference between Akiko inside and outside or or uh, how Sammy was before she came to the bar now she's kind of has she has a life about her she she's not just stand up straight respond she's got a life about her now and that was i think one of the things that i was like this should have been in the ONA i mean this is this shows me why this bar is here it shows me why the hell Nagi's even here? Why does she care so much about this? I mean, it, it revealed why it was so important to her. She wanted to create this environment where where the androids could be able to interact with humans on a more human level. I mean, why should there be that separation kind of thing? And I, I really, really like that aspect of it. I, I like this idea of this this code life being triggered. And, yeah, Akiko looks like she's just a normal girl being spunky and energetic, yeah it was cool i like that uh, why couldn't we explore that in the ona and it doesn't doesn't break the A, but at the same time that's what sold the movie for me like i'm glad i watched this now yeah <laughs> it's like it hit those ending credits and i'm like wow i'm i i loved watching the movie again i loved every moment in there again it was until the credits where i was like i'm glad i watched this because i i would never have gotten this right here so
2: yeah i thought that, that i mean i i the the second i seen the first snapshot and i was like oh it's a cute little lolly with a with a robot and then yeah. as as it started
1: going I was it like, wasn't a cute shot it was a a girl like she was injured and a robot with his neck ripped out <laughs> uh it was I, showing the incident no
2: i seen a the what looked like tex and a and a lolly I thought it was he uh, had his he had his his tubes ripped out. That's the that other might side have been the next the next slip the next snapshot. I
1: remember seeing she was reaching up and hugging hugging a text. Oh, that could have been it. because okay, what they were basically saying is that, and this is the other part that I didn't really explain is that this that Nagi was involved with this incident that happened eight years before that were the experimenting on this whole life code life thing. The problem is that it unlocks the codes. So they ended up having an incident where the girl Nagi got hurt by. And they, they didn't really explain exactly what happened, but you would assume that since those rules were taken out, the robot was allowed to act more human. That the robot ended up having doing something that led to her being injured, and that even though they decided to cut all knowledge of that, Nagi ran off on her own with, uh, what was his name, uh was it ashimiro the the he was he was basically the creator of the androids she went off with him and they started doing the life the code life themselves and so again that ties in with everything so that was why I was kind of pointing that out is it that was kind of a picture of this that was this yeah I, I think that was the case where that was the second shot where she was being injured
2: yeah the first the first shot was definitely the uh the um yeah. The lolly with the with the the well, it looked like a text. It may not have been a text, but the point was is that could have been the same model. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I I automatically assumed that this was going to be just a slideshow of like fan art because I thought, oh, okay, it's it's Tex and Chie or or and oh how cute and then and then it goes on from there and it starts as the slides were going by. It was, very quickly I re- realized that.
1: Okay, this is significant storyline. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was the second slide that got me. It was like Yeah, it was the second slide. Oh, wait, definitely. this is the incident they're talking about. Cuz then I'm like, okay, then that's Nagi. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to sit here and watch this because we're going from Nagi with this this android. Obviously, the android had this life uh, code life activated in it. She got injured somehow. Then it shows her on the road with what we assume is is her father, which is the father of the androids. And they're going around, they're making all these cafes. And then, at some point later on, it kind of shows those androids being destroyed, and then she opens up the cafe. And now, at the very, very end of the movie, they have this whole moment where uh, she goes into this this room where the father's at, and she's telling her him the stories of these things. He says, "We've lost two of them so far, which would be uh, it would be uh, Kotoran and this this android. I'm assuming would be the two t- the two he's talking about, and." Then she's like, but it's okay because you you should see these these your your she calls them kids your children children. You should see what your your children look so happy. You you would let me tell you another story about what happened today. And so it does seem like one of those things where she's going and she's activating it. She's letting them be alive and she's coming back and and telling the father, this is what your children did today, kind of thing. And that I was like, man, this is. (laughs) I wish I had all this in the O and A. Yeah. So it was it was definitely well worth watching.
2: And then the last scene was just kind of like the icing on the te- the the, the cake that definitely, but we got to talk about Tex. Sure,
1: yeah, go Tex. I've been talking too much.
2: <laughs> Tex was a... I is I think that's the next the next story after the Luh model. Um, yeah,
1: because it started getting into his friend.
2: Yeah, and that's his and that's that's really kind of the the dynamics involving the the best friend and and shows opens his eyes to the idea that um that that androids can be human as well and uh, that they they have significant they have significant issues that they have to deal with in order to be human in in their own way um because they even though they have the human attributes they also have these laws that laws they that they have to follow to for their very existence um In particular, Tex is naturally – hopefully you guys have watched this, so you know these these rules. But uh, Tex uh, had a significant care for uh, the best friend. And the best friend naturally was very friendly with with Tex. And Tex started showing attributes that were human – and her, was Misaki, her dad and 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 the best friend's dad. I'm sorry.
1: Masa- Masaki I was just a name.
2: <laughs> I was giving you a name to work with her. <laughs> Masaki's dad naturally overheard texts uh saying you know you need you need to protect your dad and take care of your dad uh, and you don't want to hurt him. And uh and so his dad didn't like this. This was a little bit too human for him. Yeah, so, he,
1: so he was talking about the divorce and he he specifically chose not to choose a side in the divorce. Um, he says that both sides made their own mistakes,
2: and so he he placed a law in into the into Texas uh, hard coding that's made it to where
1: he could not talk to Masaki anymore. And well, they, they had a thing where you can you can choose commands for the the robots, but the parents' commands take precedence over the children. Yeah, so and I can I just simply say that you can't talk, but the child can't tell him to talk again because the parents. Rules. Override. Override and,
2: right. and I, I, I you you said, a but it little was bit interesting how than.
1: they did later on, where it was like, even though he couldn't talk, he had a brief moment where he could talk because the first rule of robots took over that. Yeah, the 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 idea that you have to protect humans overrided his inability to talk because mm-hmm. that took precedence, and it was kind of interesting. I think when I first watched this, I was like. Why? What was the point in holding on to him? And what was that all about? And I'm like, then I realized, oh well, when he leaves, he no longer is protecting them. He no longer can talk anymore, kind of thing. I
2: think that there was a lot of things that in the movie was it it humanized them more in a way, and and I think that the the storytelling was was refined a lot more in the Mm -hmm. in the movie. There there is definitely, I definitely felt that Sammy was a lot more significantly humanized than she was in in the show yeah uh, so I, I I definitely give them
1: the, they definitely cleaned up some things in the movie so yeah I think they, i I think I kind of mentioned that while we were watching I'm like this I don't remember any of these certain little scenes they're, they're very brief scenes but they were just significant scenes that kind of flesh things out a lot better and I think that was probably because they had that extra time to kind of say well this didn't quite work right here we got some feedback here let's go ahead and just kind of sprinkle this over here to kind of thin this out and make it a little bit more clear. So definitely was, was much needed kind of information.
2: Tex was definitely an, e- an episode that w- really, really def- definitely just jived with me and it, and it made me, I, sorry, I, I kind of teared up quite a bit in Texas episode. I, I teared up at the end of LUH models story, but Tex just constantly was just, that was, a, no, was that was my episode.
1: It didn't even get to the emotional part. Just, text shows up on the screen and Chris is Chris does his I'm gla- Chris does his thing where he starts laughing and I'm like oh that's where he's crying Chris always laughs when he's crying it's like oh, he must be crying uh, well, that, I know he's not was, thinking about I know he's not thinking was, about uh, Katoran <laughs> Katoran again
2: well it wasn't it wasn't so much that it, the, the very beginning scene of text was it was just that I because I had already seen the 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 ONA, seeing Tex show up on the screen, I was already going, oh my gosh, I'm about to just cry like a baby again. Because it, Tex's story was very, very... To me, it was really sad, and it was very heartwarming the very end
1: of it, and I thought it was just perfectly done. Yeah, the other kind of notes that I have written down here is I liked one of the comments that... I think it was the... uh
2: the book guy
1: uh, Satoro mentioned oh. was the idea of if there's no point in being here, if you break the rules, I like that comment it was really awesome. Um, it's like because the entire time these, these two kids are trying to constantly figure out who's an Android, who's not an Android. And it's like, if you're going to break the rule, there's no point in being here because the whole purpose of this bar is to not break that rule yeah. and to enjoy people without knowing if they're Android or not. So Correct. you might as well leave kind of thing. Um, I also like how they were kind of pointing out that uh, androids can't, don't really, there's no, there's rules, there's rule number one, which is don't hurt humans, there's uh, rule number two, which is uh, was it don't tam- damage yourself as long as it doesn't affect with number one, and then, or that was number three. It's don't, don't hurt a human, um, then it's does it obey orders it as long as it doesn't affect rule number one Right, and then, and then protect your own existence as long as it doesn't conflict with one and one two. One or two. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of pointing out that there's no rule against lying. So, essentially, they can choose to lie in order to protect rule number one or something. So, I, I thought that was kind of really interesting when they kind of pointed that out. Something I haven't ever really seen in, in in the three rules of robotics kind of storylines.
2: Yeah, their, their, their rules were definitely a different... Different take, and I think that it, it 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 adds to the whole AI thing, which is an interesting aspect. Which it, wh- most of the time, when you have the AI rules, it's usually something like uh, "don't hurt a human, don't hurt a human, and then don't hurt hurt a human." And it's like, okay, there's so many you know pitfalls to your your three rules. But this particular set of rules really kind of fosters the idea of a um of ai without and still captures the the laws of the android which is the the very essence of is a android a human and in, it, or can ai be considered a sentient being and that is one of the things that really i think was captured in here without
1: losing that that vibe it was like i said i think i mentioned before it was nice to have a three robots rule type setup where it doesn't go down the route of at the very end, robots taking over world because the robots don't want humans to harm other robots so they feel that they have to protect humans by isolating them, (laughs) kind of thing. It was just, here's a bar and let's explore these Android kind of thing. So Yay for, let's do something different. (laughs) Even though we still have what is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the three robotics law type Setup because it's really a, a a very logical very smart creation that was essentially, well, who, who originally designed their robotics lo- laws? I've seen them in so many shows it's not funny. Uh, no, I mean, I was trying to figure out who originally, it says best known written by Isaac Asimov in 1940s. I was kind of wondering where it was originally created. It's the latest they have on Wikipedia so maybe that's where they possibly think it came from. Anyways, anything else we want to explore? Nekonya, Nekonyan, Nekodayo, Nekodayo. Anywho, we hope you all enjoyed our spoiler discussion. Um, I I did not prepare a song for a spoiler discussion outro, so you'll hear a song, and I'll have it on the article page. So we hope you enjoy that. We thank you all for listening to our spoiler segment. I hope we didn't spoil anything for anybody that does not watch it. So. Thank you all for listening, and y'all take care. Os.